And the message that I'm going to teach tonight is about two different things. The first thing is that the stuff that goes on in our life, the Bible calls it light afflictions, is only temporary. But God's glory is eternal. We're going to look at the difference between the temporary and the eternal. Now, because I'm in the midst of my own amazing journey of healing, and I'm already healed, but the things that God has been showing me over the past months have been so, uh, they've changed my life. They've changed the way that I think. They've changed the way that I minister. They've changed so much. So that's what I've been sharing with you guys. So this is one of those scriptures. Before I go into the teaching part, I want to read to you some light afflictions of the Apostle Paul. I'm going to use two different examples from the Bible. I'm going to use the Apostle Paul's example, and I'm going to use the example of Jesus. I always love to go to Jesus, our teacher, when I'm sharing examples. He's a really good example to look at. But first, we're going to look at Paul. And the scripture that I'm going to read is about the sufferings of Paul. So we all have sufferings. There's things that go on, and Callum, right now, in your body, you've got some stuff that's not so good going on, but it's only temporary. So let's look at what Paul says. Paul gives us a whole list of things. He says, from the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. What's 40 minus one? 39. 39 stripes. That means he was whipped on his back 39 times. And that happened five different times. Three times he was beaten with rods. Once, Paul says, I was stoned. And that time, they thought he was dead. They threw stones at him until they thought he was dead. They left him for dead. But I think Jesus raised him from the I think he was raised from the dead. But anyway, he was stoned. Three times he was shipwrecked. A night and a day, he had been in the deep. Because when he was shipwrecked, he was in the ocean. And he had to swim for a day and a half before he was rescued. Um, in journeys often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city. That's a lot of perils. In perils of the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and in thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. And besides the other things, what comes against, what comes upon me daily, my deep concern for all my churches. So Paul was listing all of these really huge burdens these bad things that had happened to him. But he wasn't doing it to make us feel sorry for him. The reason he was sharing all of those burdens, because he wanted to show us that God has a plan and that those things are only temporary. The next scripture I'm going to read, this is the, the, like the highlight of every scripture I'm going to read tonight. This is the one that we're really going to keep coming back to. Because this is what the same apostle, same Apostle Paul, this is what he says. He says, our light affliction, which is only for a moment, is working for us a far exceeding and eternal weight of glory. 
I believe what God is telling us in the scripture is that, yes, there's stuff that happens to us, but God uses those things. He doesn't give them never, 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 because God is only good. But in the midst of it, we can grow into this far exceeding, that's God's word, far exceeding, far more exceeding, and eternal, eternal, not temporary, but eternal weight of glory. Glory is good. Glory is the manifest presence of God. Glory is the, our most exalted state or most glorious condition. And the scripture, it's, it's like two different things. It talks about, <laughs> it calls it the light affliction. That means it's not a big deal. Although the stuff that Paul listed was a big deal, right? But in comparison to the weight of glory. So one is like light, not a big deal. And the other one it is this glorious, amazing thing that God has for us, the weight of glory. But then he goes on. Verse 18 gives us an important instruction because verse 18 says, while we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things not seen are eternal. So what we're going to talk about tonight is where are we putting our eyes? Where are we focusing? Paul is saying we shouldn't focus on the, 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 the stuff that's right in front of our eyes and that we can see and that we can hear and that we feel. He says what's important to focus on is what's not seen. Right now, Callum, you're believing for a miracle. You haven't seen it yet. You're believing that your body will be completely restored to health, and we're believing with you. But you haven't yet seen the results. Lisa was in the same place. When the doctor, you know, told her about the glioblastoma, that was one-fourth the size of her brain. But instead of keeping her eyes on the doctor's report and a brain tumor that was one-fourth the size of her brain, she put her eyes on the unseen, the things she couldn't yet see, the healing, the good report of God that the Bible says is true. She put her eyes on that instead of what the doctor said. And the result was that she received the far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. So I want to look at a couple words. The word temporary and eternal we're going to talk about today. So temporary means existing or continuing for a limited time. I declare, Callum, brain tumor, temporary. But eternal means without end of existence, everlasting, endless, perpetual, ceaseless, continued without intermission. So I believe that we have the potential to do a switch, to change our attitudes when we do what Paul says. When we take our eyes off and our senses, because that's the problem. We're human beings. And because we're human beings, we have five senses. Most of the time, that's how we learn. That's how we understand things. That's how we, um, you know, that's how we process things, by what we see, what we hear, what we feel, and what our intellect, you know, what we've learned in our intellect. But there's another way. It's the spiritual way. It's the eternal way. And if we keep our eyes on 
the unseen. That's faith. When we keep our eyes on the unseen and believe, that's when everything changes. And that's when the outside pressures or problems or the stuff that isn't so good has no more power over us. It has no power over us. I, I look back at the season that I just went through and the healing that I experienced. There were so many times when cancer wasn't, it didn't even register in my brain because there was so much going on that was so good. And I could go through, I literally started calling my chemo days spa days. Because why? Because when I was there receiving that, the medicine, and I, I played, prayed blessings over the medicine, and, and my time was in the word, journaling. God was speaking to me. I was praising. I was worshiping. I had time to just sit there and soak in the presence of God. It was a spa day because where my focus was. It wasn't on the chemo. It wasn't on what the chemo was going to do or I wasn't worried about anything because I have an amazing God who is walking with me through it. So the outside pressure. So here's the bottom line. If we keep our eyes on the unseen, if we, if we're, if we let our heart just say, God, I trust you, I believe you, then the, we're built up on the inside. And no matter what is coming on the outside, it won't crush us. Have you ever flown in an airplane, Callum? Have you ever flown on an airplane? Have you ever taken a water bottle like, a, like this kind, a plastic one? And when you're landing, the, 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 um, the pressure in the plane squishes the bottle. Have you, have you seen that happen before? Okay, it gets flat. My, my water bottle has water in it, so I can't squish it. But if you drink the water halfway down, and if you're on a plane, when you land, it just becomes distorted. It becomes squished. It's completely squished until you take the lid off of it. The reason is because the pressure on the outside is more than the pressure on the inside. Because when the plane lands, the pressure changes, and your water bottle gets squished. So when we keep our eyes on what is seen, I'm sorry, when we keep our eyes on what is unseen and our believing, the pressure on the good pressure, the God pressure on the inside of us keeps us so strong that the stuff on the outside of us won't affect us, like that water bottle getting squished. We won't get squished with the stuff that's going on around us. Amen. So I want to talk about the difference between the natural realm and the spiritual realm. The natural realm, I already touched on this a minute ago, but the natural realm, God calls temporary. The natural realm is what we see with our senses, what we hear, what we feel, what we can touch. The spiritual realm is eternal. The eternal realm is where we use our extra sense that God gave us, our sixth sense, and I call faith our sixth sense. Do you know we have the faith of Jesus? We have enough faith. Scripture says that we have the faith of Jesus. I know Jesus had a lot of faith. And when I don't feel like I have enough faith, I just remember Jesus, your faith is in me. We have the fruit of faith. We have the faith of Jesus. So in the spiritual realm, we have faith, the sixth sense, and, and it leads us into the eternal, exceeding glory of God. But here's something interesting. 
In the natural, with our senses, people say seeing is believing. I have to see it to believe it. But in the spiritual realm, where we use our faith, believing is seeing. When we believe, when that believing gets stronger and stronger and stronger in your heart, that's when you see the results. That's when you see the manifestation of healing in your body. That's what Lisa did. I'll never forget when I visited Lisa because I got healed the first time before Lisa did. And I was going to go and I was going to pray for her and I was going to encourage her and I was going to tell her good news about Jesus. And I went to her house to do all that. But that's not what happened. You know what happened instead? She ministered to me because there was so much uh, uh, excitement about God's word and what Jesus did for her. She couldn't shut up. She talked, 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 talked. Talk. She wouldn't stop talking about all the good stuff that God was doing. She had scriptures everywhere in her house, all over the mirror, all over the walls, all over the place. She had pages and pages of scriptures. They were falling out of her books and her Bibles. They were all over the place. And she continuously talked about Jesus and about his finished work and what his promises said. And look at her. She's sitting here healed today, completely perfect. Amen. Because that's what, that's what happens. Believing is seeing. Here's another pretty cool scripture. This is 2 Corinthians 5, 7. For we walk by faith and not by sight. And in another translation, it says, and this one's on your paper, for we live by believing and not by seeing. Yep. You know, Jesus came to give us life and a life of abundance. We get that life, that life of abundance by believing, not by seeing. If we went by what we saw, we probably would never get anywhere. You know, um, I'm going to read you a little snippet from my journal. I do a lot of journaling. And over the last eight months, everything God has been stirring in my heart, I write it down. You should do that, Callum. You know what else I'm doing? I'm writing a book. You should do that too. Yeah, you should write all about your story. And then all of your friends and your teachers and grown-ups could read your story. So anyway, I write everything down. And um, this, this one I wrote on November the 29th. That was right after Thanksgiving. And before I tell you what I wrote, I want to tell you what was going on in my life. This is kind of like Paul's list of afflictions. So I was diagnosed with cancer on the same day we moved out of our, our house because we're building a new house. But we moved in, so I didn't have a house because we still don't have it. We're moving in next week, though. Yay, God. But I had, so we, we moved in with my husband's mother. That was kind of a hard thing to do when you're as old as I am. But that's what we did. So that happened the same day I got diagnosed with cancer. And, um, and I had a lot of pain in my body. I had a lot of pain. And then I, after I was diagnosed, I started to go to the, the oncologist to decide what to do. And the first thing that they decided to do was a surgery, kind of like you. They did it on my back because that's where my, the pain was in my body. And they wanted to see what kind of cancer it was. And they also wanted to help me so I didn't have so much pain. So I had that surgery. Then two weeks after that surgery, 
these you guys don't know this shot. Two weeks after that surgery, Kent and I were in a store um, where we're, we were getting our new cabinets from. And we were sitting at a, you know, a kind of like a counter, a kitchen counter, and there were stools. And when I went to get up, the woman wanted to show me something. When I went to get up, I fell like I don't think I've ever fallen in my life. I have really good balance, and I don't typically have any problems with that. But I caught my foot somehow, some way, and I crashed hard to the floor. I landed first right on it my back, right where I'd had the surgery, and then my elbows, and they just crushed, crap, you know, broke open, and blood was everywhere, and then my head. Bam, bam, bam on tile floor. The doctor had told me when I was there that the cancer that was in my bones was very, um, uh, it, I had to be very careful because I was susceptible to bones being broken. And he said, if you break this bone or this bone, it won't be a big deal, but if you break that bone in your back, it could be very, very serious, and it could cause you to be paralyzed. I fell right on that bone. I, the first thing I did, I had been meditating and praying Psalm 91 over us, or my family and myself, and it was just one of those scriptures that God just kept in my heart all the time. And, and as soon as I, I'm on the floor, I didn't get up right away, I really hurt. And as I was laying on the floor, I was declaring God's word. No weapon formed against me will prosper. God had promised me, and this is in my journal, he had spoken to my heart and said, I have assigned angelic bodyguards over you. I believe there was a protection, some kind of protection. So anyway, I had the surgery, then I had the fall. Then I went back for more treat for my first round of treatment. And when I came home from that first round of treatment, I didn't know what to expect because I'd never had chemo before. And I didn't, I felt terrible. Come to find out, I had COVID. So I had all of that bang, 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 bang. And then this is what I want to share with you. This is what I had written in my journal that day. This was on November the 29th. As I've been reflecting on the past three months, moving out of our home of 27 years, displaced, cancer diagnosis, surgery, fall, treatment, and now COVID, all I can see is God taking care of me through it all. That's what came out of my heart. And that's not just words. That's what I was seeing. That's what I was experiencing. God was carrying me through it all. This is what happened to me through my journey. The, the longer the journey, it's been eight months, the longer I went, the stronger I got. You guys know that. I have walked with strength. I have walked with expectation. I have walked with joy. My eyes have been on Jesus and the exceeding weight of his glory has been upholding me through this. We live by believing, not by seeing. We see with a different kind of eye. Instead of the eyes on our face, you know, where we have natural vision, God gives us the ability to see with our heart, to see spiritually. That's faith. That's believing. So let's go back to Paul. Because there's some more stuff about him that I want to share before I talk about Jesus. Because there were two sides to Paul's story. We read the first side with all the list of afflictions, all those terrible things that happened to him. But before Paul became an apostle, 
He was a really important guy. He was, he was, um, um, he had a, a, all kinds of degrees. He was, he called, he called himself a Pharisee of the Pharisees. That means he was top of the, the rank in the religion that he was in. He was Pharisee of Pharisees. And, um, and he had been trained under the best rabbi, and he had this long list. He was, he was um, um, a Jew from a certain family, and he had the pedigree. He was perfect in all ways until Jesus got a hold of him. And then he realized that all of that didn't mean anything. That's the scripture I'm going to read right now. This is Philippians 3, verses 7 and 8. But whatever former things were gains to me, or so I thought then, these things, once regarded as advancements in merit, I have come to consider as loss, absolutely worthless for the sake of Christ and the purpose which he has given my life. But more than that, I count everything as loss compared to the priceless privilege and the supreme advantage of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord and of growing more deeply and more intimately acquainted with him, a joy unequaled. For his sake, I've lost everything, and I consider it all garbage so that I may gain Christ. So what Paul was saying, none of that mattered. All the afflictions, all the list of all the yuck in his life, and even all the accomplishments, that wasn't what was important. We could say the same thing. You know, all this stuff that's, that Lisa can look back and see all of that stuff, that bad stuff that happened to her. I, you know, I can too. That's not what's important. What's important is that God's glorified. What's important is that God's in me. His glory is in me. And it's in you. Not, it's not important that I'm a teacher that I was a teacher for lots of years. That's, that's not important. What's important is that the good news of God goes to you guys. It doesn't matter about me. What matters is you. What matters is to see you healed. And Paul said, I, that stuff is not important. I count it as loss. I count it as garbage. And then he says in another scripture, listen to this. This one's really, really good news. And this is one that I just like to let come into my heart and bless me and help me. Not that I speak from any personal need, because I've learned, Paul says, I've learned to be content and self-sufficient through Christ, satisfied to the point where I'm not disturbed or uneasy regardless of my circumstances even in the middle of a cancer diagnosis, even in the middle of treatment. I know how to get along and live humbly in difficult times. And I also know how to enjoy abundance and live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of facing life, whether well-fed or going hungry, whether having an abundance or being in need. And here's what he learned, and here's what I want to learn. We go to the next slide, honey. This is it. I can do all things which he's called me to do through Jesus, through him who strengthens and empowers me to fulfill his purpose. 
I'm self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. I'm ready for anything, and I'm equal to anything through him who infuses me with inner strength and confident peace. If we can keep that, I mean, that's a good one to, to write down and put on your mirror or put in your book or put somewhere where you just have, a, have it in front of you. Because when you're feeling like you're nothing, like you can't do it on your own, you can do it in Christ. You can do it with him. This is one of the things I like to picture, Callum. When I'm, I don't have any more treatment. Thank you, Jesus. But when I was having treatment, I would have that, that bag that they put up there. And then they put the, do you have a pick line or a port? A port? Okay, well, I had a pick line. So it was going into this thing in my arm. And, and as that medicine was coming down and going into my arm, this is what I would envision. This is what Jesus was putting in me. He was, instead of that chemo infusion, he was infusing me with inner strength and confident peace. And I also believed that the medicine that the doctors were giving me, that Jesus blessed it, that Jesus made it perfect for me. In fact, you know what we call that stuff? Jesus juice. That's what goes into our body, Jesus juice. And he protected me and he healed me and he took care of me through the whole thing. But this is what I, I think about. I think about how good Jesus is and how because of him in me, I can do all things. That's what that scripture says. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Yes, Callum? That's right. Say it one more time, though. I couldn't quite hear the first part. Don't, no, don't, don't care. Amen. 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 You know why? Because Jesus defeated the enemy. And now we have authority over the enemy. Amen. Good job. He said, don't worry. Don't think about what the enemy's doing. Think about what Jesus is doing. That's what he just said. Amen. Way to go, Cal. One day you're going to be up here preaching the word. Amen. Yes, you are right now. You're right. <laughs> you're right, Lisa. <laughs> you're right. Okay, let's look at Jesus. He's our best example. He is our absolute best example. This is Philippians 2, verses 5 through 8. Can we go to the next screen, hon? Let this same attitude and purpose and humble mind be in you, which is in Christ Jesus. Let him be your example in humility, who, although being essentially one with God and in the form of God, possessing the fullness of the attributes which make God God, did not think this equality with God was a thing to be eagerly grasped or retained, but he stripped himself of all privileges and rightful dignity so as to assume the guise of a servant, a slave, in that he became like men and was born a human being. And after he had appeared in human form, he abased and humbled himself even further and carried his obedience to the extreme of death, even death on a cross. Jesus humbled himself. He gave up his own deity. That means he was God and he became man, fully human, 
with everything that we have to deal with. He became man. And then he dealt with all sorts of stuff. Pain, torture, torment, ridicule, shame, and even death. And the question is, why would he do that? He had a really good reason. The next scripture tells us why. This is his example. Because his heart was focused on you and me. His heart was focused on the joy of knowing that you would be his. That's why he endured the agony of the cross and conquered his humiliation. And now he sits exalted at the right hand of God. Jesus knew that the, the, the stuff that he was going through was only temporary. And it was for a really important purpose. And he is now in that most exceeded place of glory, exalted at the right hand of God. But you know what? That's not all. So are we. So are we. We are exalted. We are in Christ at the right hand of the Father with the enemy under our feet. Praise God. Praise God. Okay. So now we're going to look at how we can walk by faith and not by sight. And I'm going to give you three warnings, three dangers, and then we're going to talk about what God says to do in his scriptures. So here's the first warning. Paul had to worry about this, and I think we all do to a certain extent, and it's self-righteousness, self-righteousness, because this is what happens in people. This is what happens with us. We've learned that we can do things on our own, like research, like um, reaching hard, working hard to reach our goals, especially if we're talented, um, intellectual kind of people. I have heard people say this, and, and I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to be negative, but it concerns me, where they say, well, this is my personality type. This is just what I do. And, they, and what that personality type is, um, doing lots and lots of, of looking into the problem. But when you're looking at the problem, you're looking at the scene. God says, take your eyes off of what is seen. Put your eyes on what is unseen. That's, the, that's what God has just been stirring in my heart and stirring in my heart. I'm not saying you shouldn't do any research, but I am saying be careful. Last week when I shared my testimony, I won't, I won't go into details now, but I never went to the patient portal, and I never um, read the report until after I received my healing. Boy, am I glad I didn't look. Because the diagnosis was way, way more extreme than what I had any idea and it was so much easier for me to completely trust God when I didn't even really know all the stuff that needed healed. I just trusted him to make it all perfect. So, and he did. But self-righteousness is when we use our own gifts or talents, when we, when we um, take, it's almost like we're taking a step with God or ahead of God instead of being completely dependent on him. In Isaiah 42 eight, God says, I am the Lord. That is my name. I will not give my glory to anyone else, nor share 
my um, praise with carved idols. Anything that we're giving more power in our life than God is an idol. And sometimes that's the whole doctor thing, the whole medicine thing, the whole trying to figure it all on your own thing can become an idol. Can I'm going to go ahead and, and skip the next scripture. I'm going to go to the second danger. The second danger is looking back at either your problems or your accomplishments. Having your history be a part of your present. Here's the really good news. We've been redeemed from our past. We've been redeemed from our mistakes. We've been redeemed from the stuff that we've lived yesterday. Today is a new day. We live redeemed. But many times we go back to those old afflictions or even our accomplishments. And we, we, we camp there. And God says, no, no, no. Keep your eyes here on me and on the eternal and on what my promise is. Not the past, not the problems, not the list of stuff. This is how Paul says it. Brothers and, oops, I admit that I haven't yet acquired the absolute fullness that I'm pursuing. We're all there. We've not reached the, the perfect place we want to be. But, Paul says, I run with passion into his abundance so that I may reach the purpose for which Christ Jesus laid hold of me to make his own. I don't depend on my own strength to accomplish this. However, I do have one compelling focus. Listen to this. I forget all of the past, and I fasten my heart to the future instead. That's important. Many of us think that because this has happened, so one of the things that, that is very dangerous is um, uh, what runs in your family. Got to be careful with that. We've been redeemed from that. We've been redeemed. And if you keep your eyes on that and you worry about that, you are, you're, you're believing the wrong thing. You're feeding the wrong thing. Because we've been redeemed. We have the DNA of Jesus. I have a testimony where I, this, was, this is proven in, in DNA blood work. There was a woman who had an aggressive gene for cancer, for breast cancer. And she told me her, her diagnosis. She told me the, gene, the genetic test and all of that. We came against it. We said, oh, no, no, no. You have the DNA of Jesus. We rebuke that. We say no to that. We say, in the mighty name of Jesus, you have been redeemed. You have a new DNA. She went to a, another doctor for another round of tests because she wanted a second opinion. And they happened to run that same genetic test again. She no longer had that DNA. We can't bring our junk from the past and let it affect us here and now today because God has a way better plan. But in order for all that to happen, we need to keep our eyes on the eternal, not on what we see, but on the eternal and on the promises of God. Here is the third danger, magnifying the issues of life. I'm going to read a couple more scriptures. Can't we go to the next one, please? Brothers and sisters, together follow my example and observe those who live by the pattern we gave you. For there are many of whom I've often told you, and now tell you even with tears, who live as enemies of the cross of Christ, rejecting and opposing his way of salvation, whose fate is destruction, whose God is their belly, their worldly appetite, their sensuality, their vanity, and whose glory is in their shame, 
who focus their mind on earthly and temporal things. We've been talking all evening about the difference between earthly and temporal things and spiritual, eternal things. In this world that we live in, the, the, what most people do is they focus on the, the stuff that's going on, the doctor's appointments, the medicine, the treatment, sometimes the side effects. That's where focus is. And it might be on, like, the travel, in my case, because we traveled for where I went to the healing center. So a lot of our focus was on that. We have a choice where we put our focus, though. So when on our drive times, we were meditating on the word, I was praying with my husband. We were, I was making phone calls to my, you know, my sister who's standing in agreement with me. It gave me time to talk to her. When I was in that chemo room, I, you know, had my word and my, and my, my worship music. We have a choice. Where's our focus going to be? We have a choice. Um, the next scripture, Romans 8 Verse 15 says, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Carnal mindedness means focused on the natural realm and magnifying the issues of life. That doesn't have a good result. And it doesn't mean physical death necessarily, but it could mean bad stuff because you're focusing on bad stuff. But spiritual mindedness brings you life and peace. Spiritual-minded is when we're dependent on God and we're magnifying Him. We're magnifying His promises. We're magnifying what Jesus did for us. That's where our focus is instead of on the issues of life. So those are three dangers, but I think it's important to know those things so that we can avoid them, so we can do what God says instead of what the world always does, because that doesn't usually work. So... This is where I want to wrap up tonight. I love it when God's word does it all, when God's word gives us the direction. And as I was um, preparing this and, and saying, God, show us how to walk by faith and not by sight, scripture just answered it all. The first scripture is Hebrews 12, 2. Look away from the natural realm. Look away from the natural realm and focus our attention an expectation onto Jesus, who birthed faith within us and leads us forward into faith's perfection. I just felt the anointing fall like crazy when I read that. Look away from the natural realm and put your eyes on Jesus. And then in the scripture, depending on the translation you're reading, it says Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith or he's the author and the, and the developer. It's, different translations use different words. But as I was thinking about this, faith is key. And as we look at Jesus, that word look doesn't just mean look at something. This is what it means. It means to turn your eyes and your thinking away from the natural realm away from all that stuff, and to turn and look focused at Jesus and what he's done for you and his promises. When we do that, faith is the result. When we do that, faith, it, it, and faith is so cool. 
I love, I love what God has stirred in me in my believing. Because the first thing that happens is it's just like it's baby. It's just a baby faith. And it kind of comes in you, and you certainly can't understand this, Callum, but some of the grown-ups can. It comes in you like you're getting pregnant. And you don't know it yet. Because there's just a little seed in your womb, in your belly. That's when it starts. It's, you conceive it. It comes in there, but it's still really little. But then as you continue to look away from the natural realm and put your eyes on Jesus, that faith grows. And that's why the scripture says Jesus is the author, but he also is the one that, that matures or grows up your faith. Sometimes he corrects it or prunes it a little bit so it grows even better. He, he develops it. So it gets stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. And then he finishes it. He finishes it. And that thing that you're believing for, in your case, Callum, complete healing and strength and, and, and forever healed so that you get to be 100 years old, 120 someday. Yeah. Then it comes to be. That's what happened to me. That's what happened in Lisa. That's what happened in Glenn and a whole bunch of other people. Jesus is the author and the developer of our faith. The other thing I like to say is that he's the author, and he wrote the whole book, and it has a really good ending. Amen. Amen. Okay, the next scripture, Hebrews 12, 3. Just consider and meditate on him who endured from sinners such bitter hostility against himself. Consider it all in comparison with your trials, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Keep your eyes on Jesus, mom and dad, and what he did. One of the things that is so powerful is taking communion and, and meditating on what Jesus did and the gravity of what he did. Because when your eyes are on that, everything else pales in comparison. Hebrews 10, verse 35 and 36 don't throw away your confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings you. Patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will. I believe that our part in doing God's will is to believe. So that we continue to believe. Then you'll receive all that he's promised. 2 Corinthians 12 verse 9. But he has said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My loving kindness and my mercy, they're more than enough. Always available, regardless of the situation. For my power is being perfected. God's power is being perfected right now. It's growing. It's being built up in you and your family. And it's completed, and it shows itself most effectively in your weaknesses. I don't know about you, I bet everybody here can agree with me that when you've gone through a trial, when you've gone through a season, you have grown so much in your walk with God. You wouldn't be here otherwise. You'd be doing the world's way. And it doesn't, it's not as, it's not nearly as amazing as God's way. But that's what happens because that's what God does. 
He shows himself most effectively in your weakness. Therefore, Paul says, I will all the more gladly boast in my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may completely enfold me and may dwell in me. Amen. Just, I mean, the, the growth, the, the richness, what God does in you in these seasons, it's amazing. And the last one, Colossians 3, verses 1 and 2. Christ's resurrection is your resurrection too. That's why we are to yearn for all that is above, for that's where Christ sits enthroned at the place of all power, honor, and authority. Yes, feast on the treasures of the heavenly realm. Fill your thoughts with heavenly realities and not with the distractions of the natural realm. So when we focus on the heavenly realm, doesn't mean you're thinking about after you die. What that means is that the eternal realm, the minute you ask Jesus into your heart, the minute you say, Jesus, I believe in you, I love you, I want you to be in my heart forever, that's when you begin your eternal life. And we live it here on this earth. And someday after we die, we live it forever and forever and forever. But God says, put your eyes on me. Put your eyes on the eternal not the temporary, not the stuff you can see, but on the eternal. You know the, the Lord's Prayer, Jesus taught it to us. And the beginning part says, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. And then the next line says, Your kingdom come and your will be done right here on earth as it is in heaven. So this is what I like to pray. God, there's no cancer in heaven. Thank you that your perfect will, I know it's your perfect will for me to be healed. I know it's your perfect will for Callum to be healed. God, your perfect will, come here, invade this place right here, right now. Come, heaven come, heaven come. Keep our eyes on heaven, the glory of God, his good plan. And I believe that it's far more exceeding. And I, that's where I want to close with this last. You've already heard the scripture. I'm going to read it again. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things not seen are eternal. I am going to read a prophetic word that was given to me at the beginning of my journey. It's on your sheet. It's on the front side of your sheet in a box. I believe I put it in a box. This is a word that was given to me that I have, I have kept in front of me. I have meditated on this. I have, I have spoken it. That's why I'm doing this message today, because this has just been stirring and stirring in my heart and in my life. I believe it's not just for me. I believe it's for you, too. Pastor Fran gave me this word way back. It wasn't just for me. It was for the people. But I took it. I received it. And now I'm giving it to you. God says, don't let temporary circumstances become mountains which are consuming your thoughts and demanding your emotions. My words are life. Let my words dominate your thoughts and emotions. Your circumstances are temporary and will change by speaking and believing my words. 
My words are truth and life and will never change. Call your circumstances temporary. Look to my word and see what I say about it. And believe. Amen.